Welcome to today's episode of The Winning Ticket. I'm your host, Bobby Kravitsky. Joining me for an episode where we'll assess an NFL trade deadline that featured a record 10 deals getting done. We'll also give you our thoughts on how those moves impacted betting lines from Pub Sports Radio, one of the most reliable handicappers in the business, Connor Mack. What's up, Bobby? Yeah, uh, crazy uh, last 24 hours uh, in the NFL, especially for the deadline. And uh, I can't wait to get into it today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, as always. Yeah, of course. With your track record, is a no-brainer. And when it comes to the NFL trade deadline, plenty of instances in the past, including in recent years, where it was dull, there was a lack of activity. But this one, like I just said, a record 10 deals and some big names getting moved. Yeah, I was shocked at some of them. We're going to get into it here in a minute. But yeah, I was obviously with McCaffrey a little early and then some of these big names later on. And then smaller ones we could even get into with some teams that I think made good moves. And we'll get into the teams where I think they were losers. We'll get into that didn't do anything. And I think it'll come back and bite them. So definitely look forward to it. Yeah, we're going to come through this pretty thoroughly. McCaffrey, that's someone that we've talked about in the past. No need to bring it up here. But along the way, we can dish out some superlatives. Worst move, most surprising, best one, you name it. I want to start with the Dolphins taking a huge swing going for Bradley Chubb, who they acquire in exchange for a 2023 first-round pick, along with a 2024 fourth-round selection and Chase Edmonds. And then they also turn around and after dealing away Edmonds, bring in Jeff Wilson, who knows Mike McDaniel from their time together in San Francisco, they get him for a fifth. So I I really like the moves that the Dolphins made just in terms of being aggressive. Me too. I love the move with Chubb and even getting Wilson. It just seemed the perfect two to get him out with McCaffrey in there in San Francisco. So that's what they need. That Dolphin defense, I don't think it's very good. You know, that second half of the Lions game, lucky the uh, Dolphins got that cover. But they made some plays, but I still don't think they're very good. So getting Chubb, I thought, was a huge move for them. Yeah, because we know how explosive their offense is. They can go into anyone's building come playoff time and outscore them. But can their defense hold up its end of the bargain? And now when you look at them bringing Bradley Chubb into the fold to help solidify that edge, do you look at Miami and buy into the possibility that they might prove to be the third best team in the AFC? Yeah, I don't think they're maybe the third best team. They're, you know, maybe right there, three, four, five. Um, it's probably like them and Baltimore neck and neck, right? And I put the Ravens yeah. ahead too, but it, it's close. I think it is close. You know what? Right now, there's a lot of, there's a few really dominant teams. There's a whole lot of mediocre football teams in the NFL right now that I just, I think, are right, right around 500 or below 500. But yeah, the Dolphins, it's something they need. You know, I thought it was it was good. I thought it was a little lucky, but for them now to go on the road and win games and even cover them, you know, with a three in the hook, they got the four point win was big. And they need that is from their defense, which I still we'll see how good it is. We know down at home, they play a little bit better, but can they go on the win and, you know, on the road and win? Cause they got that offense, man, Hill and uh, Waddle just throw it up to them speedsters. Yeah. And there are questions about Mike McDaniel outside of play designing and some stuff we'll learn about him come the postseason there's obviously the question surrounding Tua can he stay healthy and prove durable which is a massive concern and everything goes up in smoke if you're the Dolphins if the answer is no and might leave you having to find a new quarterback come the offseason so is this move something that raises Miami's ceiling to hey look out for them as a Super Bowl contender on or near the level of the Bills and the Chiefs no of course not 
But Chubb is only, what, 25, 26 years old. So he's yeah. a piece they can have as a core member of that defense for years to come. So I do, I do like this move for Miami while keeping a realistic outlook on what it does for them and just how much it does and does not move the needle for the franchise. But also, we got to give props to Chris Greer because after the Trey Lance trade and moving back so San Francisco can move up, they get Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, and now Bradley Chubb with those first-round picks they gained out of that deal with the Niners. I mean, without the benefit of hindsight to see maybe it blows up in smoke with guys like Hill and Chubb and whatever, but right now in the moment, it feels like one of the best returns from a trade in NFL history. I think so. I think they, they've made great moves. And and a Dolphin team that I think has just has not been made any moves, especially I mean, since Marino's been there, they've just been not a very good franchise. So up and up, especially at least trying to make the moves, kind of like the Padres in baseball. At least they made the playoffs. You know, maybe the Dolphins are, you know, let's make these moves and, and see if it'll work. It's not, you know, sitting and doing nothing. So uh, I like it. I like what uh, they're doing there in Miami. Yeah, and look, only one team gets to lift the Lombardi. So this is still something fun, a bone to throw to your fan base and make it more exciting. Like you said, they've been quiet in deadlines past. So I like the move overall. I celebrate it for the Dolphins and for that fan base. It's fun. And so who's going to poo-poo fun? And then when it comes to the Ravens, they go out and they get Roquan Smith for second and fifth round picks this year, plus A.J. Klein. I'm curious to get your thoughts on this move going after a stud, but one who's a linebacker. I loved it. I thought this was one of the big winners here was just he's in his prime, I think. And this is a Ravens defense that needs it. I think it's kind of aging. They're slow. And, you know, they've gotten better. That secondary got torched the first like four or five weeks of the year. They're dead last against the pass. So getting him, I think, is a huge thing, especially for that defense, because you know what you have from the offensive with Lamar. So I liked it. You know, even pick up aging, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, just helping this defense out, I think, uh, was good for the Ravens. So they were on the top of my list as as a winner here at the deadline. Yeah, I have have them as a winner as well. And when you pair Roquan Smith with another athletic linebacker, more of a chess piece even than just a position to define Patrick Queen, that's an exciting tandem, especially in coverage. So I, I like that combination. Roquan, he can be the centerpiece. He just fits as a Ravens linebacker. So it makes sense at the same time though. And I recognize the impact that he can have on that side of the ball for this team. They need help offensively. They have to get Lamar. We talked about this last week, more weapons. So if they're willing to spend a second round pick, I'm disappointed that they're not the team walking away from the deadline with Chase Claypool, or they didn't go get Jerry Judy or spend less to acquire Brandon cooks and give your team a downfield threat. I agree with you, especially, you know, Mark Andrews, now out, you know, his injury that he's dealing with, you know, he's the go-to guy. They just don't have the receivers. Yeah. And maybe, you know, the move should have been made. I'm just, I'm shocked. Yeah. Brandon Cooks didn't get dealt the money he's owed, uh, which is just crazy. Um, So yeah, Ravens not making a move was head shaking with their offense, but uh, yeah, I like what they did defensively, especially they've blown a couple bad leads, that defense. They've had that big lead and they have not been that fourth quarter team. So hopefully this helps them out on the defense side of the ball. So I'm sure it will. And to that end, when it comes to holding late leads, racking up more wins, the over under for them on FanDuel is 10 and a half. I think that's too low. They're five and three. When you look at their schedule, they still have remaining teams like the Saints coming up this weekend, the Panthers, the Jaguars, the Broncos, the Steelers, the Falcons. I I look at this team and I think that 
with only five to go to eclipse that, I believe, was it? So only six to go to eclipse that and a lot of easy wins on the schedule. I think they cover that 10 and a half. I think it's close. I think they, I think they kind of went 11. You know, I think that's it. I think they just get over this because something tells me that yeah, they went 11 or 10. But you mentioned the schedule has been easy. But those are the teams they got to take care of. They can't get big leads and lose. Um, and it already sounds, you know, five and three. And they should be, you know, at least six and two, I think, at least. Have yeah, another think about win, that so. Jets game where they collapsed at home. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think they get over it. So I, I think the Ravens can get over the uh, that 10 and a half. It'll be close, but they get there. Yeah, and you're right. There's not much room for leniency there at five and three the rest of the way. But at the same time, I'd look at that schedule. And ultimately, I think that they'll climb to 11 wins. Another winner for me. You knew that Brandon Bean was not going to sit out the deadline. And I saw some Bills fans who were upset when they hadn't done anything yet and a little surprised because that's not his M.O. But sure enough, by the time that the deadline expired, He's brought in Naheem Hines from the Colts in exchange for Zach Moss. I love this move. It's an obvious area to target for them. When we brought up Christian McCaffrey and Buffalo's reported interest in him, it was justifiable Mm -hmm. because if you can bring the Lombardi to that Bills franchise and that fan base and Bills Mafia, then it's worth whatever you had to give up to make it come to fruition. This a far less costly acquisition, but a productive player. Yeah, I thought the move was 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 good. It kind of was like plan B, maybe like C. You don't get McCaffrey, but he's good enough uh, in Hines. And that offense is already loaded pretty much. I mean, it's basically on Allen, Diggs. They're very good. Uh, Knox, uh, all the way around the receivers are solid. So getting Hines is just another plus to that Bills team that wants this championship tier that right now they're the best team in football, I think. Yeah, without question. And an underrated aspect from Naheem Hines that they're getting special teams value as well. So maybe he makes a play for them on fourth down, if you will, or in the kicking game come playoff time. We'll see. And another plus for Buffalo that happened yesterday, they activated Trey White off the PUP. That's a huge move for a secondary that lost one of their most important members at safety earlier this season and relies so much on that back end when they had Hoyer and Hyde together. Now they only have Poyer. So to have Trey White be able to make life easier and slot guys down a peg in that secondary, I'm sure they'll ease him into it at first. But if he gets back to playing like Trey White, that Bills defense gets even more special. Yeah, they do. And it, and for them, I thought they've just they've been good with, you know, hide out and having those injuries in White. It just they've gotten by, which I thought could have been a lot worse. So it, getting him back is only a plus, like you mentioned, especially if he gets back to the play like he had before. And then shifting gears to the NFC, the Minnesota Vikings. Who would have thought that they'd be taking a big swing? But they go out and get TJ Hawkinson along with a 2023 fourth-round selection and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick in exchange for a 2023 second-round pick, 2024 fourth-round selection. Division trade right here between the Vikings and the Lions. I look at Minnesota, and they're 6-1. and one. But they're not fraudulent because no one buys into them. You can give yourself a better chance right now, though, if you're Minnesota, to maybe make some noise, get a win in the playoffs. So I don't knock the move. Hawkinson's a piece that I think can help them beyond this season. I agree. This was the most shocking to me, the most surprising. I, you know, not, you know, I was, there was a lot of questions. I know a few guys, big Lions, like, did they want to, you know, after this rookie deal was up with Hawkinson, resign him? And obviously they didn't. Um, and in division, I was shocked even more. 
Lions, the Vikings, you know, that even brought was like, whoa, uh, this move right at the deadline. And you already got Cook, Jefferson, um, Irv Smith's a decent tight end, but he's he'll be on the back end now with Hawkinson. That was my most shocking and huge win. Vikings going to be a very interesting team. They're going to coast to, I think, that division. And what do they do? Is Kirk Cousins get it done for you, really? Is their defense for real? I don't know how good that defense is, really. I don't think they've played really anybody. Uh, I still remember that beatdown by the Eagles in Philly, that once they play somebody, maybe a little bit better. Uh, but they took care of business. You only play who's in front of you. So I love the move with uh, with Hawkinson for the Vikings. Uh, nothing but up, up, up if you're a Vikings fan. Yeah, this is someone who's had 60-plus catches the last two years. He's only 25, so he can help for the foreseeable future. And you brought up Irv Smith. This gives that offense more versatility, where now you can viably run two tight end sets. And he's going to help in the blocking game too, Hawkinson. So I like this move to make a talented offense even better. Kirk Cousins, he's kind of like Garoppolo in the sense that he needs all the help he can get. So we're not talking about Minnesota, like they're going to go out and go on this lengthy playoff run anytime soon with Captain Kirk at the helm. But at the same time, it does make them a better team. And I think they can justify the price they paid. I totally agree. I think just, I was, like I said, a bit shocked, but I thought the move was fantastic. And I think there's there's a higher ceiling for Oxen. We'll see. You know, the guy was a top 10 at a tight end. It's just, you know, they just don't go that uh that early and that high so i love the move uh vikings uh good move i love it and then my question here as we wrap up this conversation about minnesota the over under for them on FanDuel is 11 and a half wins to me it boils down to that last game of the season when they take on the bears in chicago i mean it would be classic kirk cousins to step on you know just absolutely fall on his face and come up short for them but it is viable. It's certainly within reach for the Vikings. I think it's in reach too, just because I don't think that division is very good. Maybe they sneak a win. The Packers that they, they don't, they can sweep them this year, something like that. So I definitely think they're 11 win team. And I think they even win 12 this year. I think that might be a solid bet to the over for, uh, for the Vikings. Yeah. You look at some of these games here, they've got the commanders coming up. They'll probably lose to the Bills and the Cowboys. They should beat the Patriots at home. They should beat the Jets. The Lions yeah. in Detroit, maybe, but you know, there's enough cushion there where if they lose, it's still not out of the picture. Take care of business against the Colts at home. They can do so against the Giants, too. Now you don't have to win at Lambeau and in the Windy City. So like I said, I think ultimately there's going to be an unexpected loss along the way, but it's going to come down to that Bears game, and they should win that even though it's on the road. Yep. I think you, you mentioned, I think they can get, especially in Chicago and they could get one of those other ones there and that gets them to 12. Uh, Cause they're already six and one, right? Yep. Yeah. So I think they're good. I think they get the, the 12 wins earlier in the year. I thought they were good for 10. I thought for sure. So now I think even the 11 and a half, which you can basically get at minus minus one ten or even lower uh, is solid. And then I love Connor when teams, that aren't in the playoff mix get aggressive. Remember when the Steelers traded for Minka Fitzpatrick a few years ago, when their season was going nowhere and how it transformed their defense. The Chicago Bears that we were just talking about, they go out and get Chase Claypool for a second round pick. The key distinction here, it's their second round pick. It's not the one they got from Baltimore for Roquan Smith. And yeah. I'm sure, Connor, that there were a number of contenders that wanted to get their hands on Chase Claypool but they just couldn't match that offer of the Bears giving up a pick 
that just looking at in the first round, for instance, it's going to be somewhere in that 12 to 16 range. Yeah, they was, you know what? Claypool has been so good, pretty good those first two years. It just, it's a total rebuild with the Steelers. They, the quarterback can't get him the ball. Um, you know, I think he has one touchdown this year, but the catches aren't there. Justin Fields desperately needs weapons. You know, these receivers aren't very good in Chicago. I still think Montgomery's decent, and I love that little kid, Herbert. I think he's great. He's quick. He's kind of like a Pollard. I think they got to get him the ball more. I've been loving his props uh, the last three or four weeks. They've been nothing but money. So I love the uh, the Claypool move for Justin Fields, which I think he's getting better. That offensive line, though, is still so bad, and he's running for his life. But uh, I love the, the Claypool uh, get for the Bears. Yeah, I picked up Herbert in fantasy just before he broke out. So look, the waiver yeah. wire, that's where seasons are won and lost. So that one True. has worked out for me so far, at least in one league. And then when it comes to Claypool, you hit the nail on the head. He wasn't jiving with Kenny Pickett, who can't get him the ball downfield. He's a perfect fit with Justin Fields, who certainly can do that. And with some of these gadget plays and quick hitters that Chicago likes to run, you can step in and get the ball to Claypool on a jet sweep, for instance, just to give a simple example or a screen where the blocking set up in front of him, get the ball out of Fields' hands quickly, keep him upright, especially because finally they realize they can start running with him more and have him be a threat with his legs. And so it's going to be interesting to see. But I, I look at it and say, if you're Chicago, you do have a potential franchise quarterback who you're starting to see more from in recent weeks on a rookie deal. It's only year two of that contract. So pair him. With an, you know, I know he's young, Chase Claypool, but uh, at least what semi-established, if you want to call it, wide receiver in this league who can play the X on the outside. So I really like this pickup for a Bears team that, again, as you said, desperately needed to surround Justin Fields with more talent. Yeah, they did. I, I like the move on the offensive side of the ball because I think going forward, this Bears defense isn't a, a Bears defense. So maybe going forward, the two things I would in the draft is uh, the line and that defense you know, any, everywhere on that defense, uh, especially they've been ripped against the run. They just can't stop the run this year, but I love the move. Uh, and going forward, they get a few off some linemen there for him and a little bit of defensive pieces. I think it's only up for the bears, Justin Fields and the bears. Yeah. There's still a lot to address here for Chicago, especially that front five and protecting fields. And if he's going to yeah. throw the, the ball downfield more, all the more reason to invest, but you got to start somewhere. So a good piece Definitely. to bring in. That'll help them going forward. To me, the most surprising move of the day, completely out of left field, the Jaguars bring in Calvin Ridley. In exchange, they send the Falcons a 2023 fifth-round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick that could become a third or a second, depending, first off, if he's reinstated, which he will be, but still just to have that in there as a qualifier is kind of funny. And then also the fact that it's based on playing time and if Jacksonville does in fact sign him to a long-term deal. But Connor, I don't know about you, a stunning move, but one that I really like and kind of a creative outside the box move here with Calvin Ridley, who when he's right, he is one of the most productive receivers in football. Yeah, definitely he is. Uh, and he's still so young where I don't think he'll miss a beat, obviously being out this full year. But one that, yeah, kind of threw just a, a curveball. I didn't see it coming. And it seems like the Jacksonville, they're just want to build for the future. We have this quarterback in Lawrence. We have our coach. Peterson, the defense is getting a little bit better at times. You know, they've been hit and miss. But I love the move with Ridley. And, and to get a guy with Lawrence who's still, you know, struggling, makes big plays, and then throws the pick. 
Uh, and I think he just has to keep growing there. And to get a guy like that for years to come for next year, which really should be a full go. I like the move at Jags too. I like I liked it as well. Yeah, and I still believe in Trevor Lawrence despite the early struggles, yeah. having to overcome working with Urban Meyer for half of his rookie season or roughly so. And I, I look at it and, you know, I think that Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and some of these pieces, ETN, they're all kind of mediocre yeah. weapons, if you will, maybe a little bit better in some cases, but certainly inconsistent or just not big names that really move the needle dramatically. Calvin Ridley can make life easier on all of them and be that number one option in the passing game. He definitely can. Cause you, it, you take it right. Just last game. You know, like they have those halves, they boom, they score points early on, on the Broncos and then it falls. They kind of fall back the second half, bad interceptions down at the goal line. Just the defense gives up big plays. Boom. Next thing you know, they lose to the Broncos. So that is still growing pains there, but yeah, definitely uh, for next year. I love the move to have Ridley there as your, as your number one for Lawrence uh, for a few years. And we'll see if they sign him, you know, long-term, but I like it. Yeah, not to rehash old history, but I think the season-long suspension was stupid. He wasn't betting on Falcons games. I don't care that it was that much money. That's not the point or what they're going to get caught up in yeah. if you're the NFL. That's fine, but let's be honest here. They have gambling sponsors. Some of these stadiums have sports books in them. They're leaning further and further into gambling. So the idea that Calvin Ridley got a whole season for this, that was stupid. I was shocked. We got other guys with a lot worse uh stuff going on that got less time uh <laughs> and he got a full year and you mentioned gambling he didn't you know he wasn't gambling on falcons games like you mentioned um to me I, you know i don't know to me this was like a four to eight games like half the year if you really wanted to give him a lesson but a full year i thought was just insane crazy i'm right with you yeah way too over the top and then two teams that i was really underwhelmed by and one of them in particular i'm surprised but I'll start with the Kansas City Chiefs, who they go out and they get Kadarius Toney from the Giants for 2023 third and sixth round picks. To me, it's an uninspiring move. I like Tony when he's healthy and he's dangerous with the ball in his hands. And I also give him the benefit of the doubt that he's going from, until Dayball showed up, poor coaching with the Giants and Danny Dimes, who makes more plays with his legs than his arm. So I give him all the benefits of now going and working with Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and what that can do for his career, again, as long as he can stay on the field consistently. But at the same time, we talked about this as a matter of fact. I think what's going to make the difference when the Chiefs and Bills play, and Kansas City is the less talented of the two and might have to go on the road for it, that explosivity will be that difference maker where we saw it when they played at Arrowhead a few weeks ago. Both teams were just trying to keep the other's offense in front of them, make them move in short increments down the field. And if you can do it enough successfully to beat them, then either side's willing to tip their cap. But this is not a Kansas City team that has Tyreek Hill to score in 13 seconds anymore from their own territory. So I, I liked the idea of them going out and getting some of the names we talked about earlier, like a Jerry Judy. He's interconference, hard to pull off, I understand, or interdivision. But maybe Brandon Cooks should be playing in Kansas City as opposed to Kadarius Tony. Yeah, that would have been maybe the move to take. We'll see. The Chiefs are kind of going by just this committee. It just will these guys, they're not Hill. Can they make the plays? Because even Sh Schuster is phenomenal a few weeks. He's got a problem with drops. Scantling, even too, uh, has and really Scantling good can be invisible. You know, sometimes invisible. he'll make a nice catch downfield, but you don't always hear from him. Yeah. 
B. Leary, I've played a prop or two with him, and he had basically, like you talked about, was nowhere to be found on a Sunday. And then he'll come back and have four for, you know, 120. So it's just, yeah, and I don't, you know, they get Tony. There's a bunch of those receivers for the Giants that just kind of, they're lagging there. And and Jones, which is not a, they're not a throwing team that pass a ton. So I don't know about the move. I think it's all right. But, uh, yeah, I don't think the Chiefs did much. Uh, and, I, you know, right now, the way after, you know, that last the last game against the 49ers, uh, they probably were like, huh, we're good right now. We don't need to do anything. We'll see, though. I do I do think they're not as talented as Buffalo and might regret an uninspiring trade deadline. And then another team for me that falls in that category of underwhelming, the Philadelphia Eagles. And I love Howie Roseman as a GM mm. because he's so aggressive. But I thought they were going to be a team that, maybe could poach Brian Burns from Carolina and Panthers fans. I'm with you. You should not have traded Brian Burns. So you did the right thing. Rams, if they really did offer two first round picks, I don't know why you did that as much as I like Burns. You look at the situation that LA finds themselves in, but Philadelphia to me, I understand that they're seven and zero and having this great season at the same time, when we get into the playoffs and especially if they get to the Super Bowl. I think they might look back at this trade deadline with regret that all they did was get Robert Quinn. Yeah, but I still like the move with getting Quinn. It's it's always kind of tough. You really got to be deep into your and team, you know, to go out and make a move a moves when you're seven and zero. So we'll see if this is gonna be big or not for the Eagles. But right now, it's kind of hard to to really critique them. Um, I I didn't think they really need to make a ton of moves. I thought the defense has been solid obviously hurts they have great wide receivers um the line's pretty good so i didn't mind the move not not doing anything i thought the eagles were kind of in the mid-tier uh for me they weren't a a big bad loser that i had written down here in my my last four or five so i can't wait that we haven't gotten to a loser you have left yet that we haven't addressed but at the same time i like robert quinn and it's only a fourth round pick and i'm good with the eagles offensively I can talk myself into the secondary with how well they're playing, the athletic linebackers, for instance, bringing in Hassan Reddick in the offseason. At the Mm -hmm. same time, I don't know about you, I don't fully trust this Eagles team come the playoffs, not necessarily to get upset at home by a Minnesota Vikings type of squad, but just when they go up against teams that are on or close to their level, that's where I think they might feel the impact of not giving up more valuable draft capital to help this team compete for a Super Bowl. You might be right. And we'll see. I just think the NFC is so down the shakeup of how bad Green Bay is and the Bucks, Cowboys in their division. It looks like this division we thought was going to be maybe one of the worst in football so far this year is one of the best better, you know, in the, in the NFC. So, uh, you know, we'll see come come playoff time for right now all they got to take it one game at a time they're undefeated uh i think they'll be fine it's gonna be tough though maybe if they if these teams get hot and get in could it be a team with a quarterback like the bucks or a team like that but right now they doesn't look like they are but you never know we're still way early in the season 10 more games left so yeah that's one i'm uh i was fine with the eagles seven to no i uh i had to leave that one away so now we're going to see how fine you are with the Eagles playing it out here. 7-0 and with a win projection and an over-under set at 14.5 for plus 125. Given that they have the easiest schedule in the league, just how viable do you think that is? I think it's close. 
I, but I don't love going to that over. When you get a lead like that, some of these last games of the year, they sit out. You know, it's always bad the last couple of times and your starters aren't going to play. But you mentioned that, and I've talked about that already. Eagles' easiest schedule out there. It's like, how do they not? I think they went 14 for sure. It's just, do you want to put your money on that hat, you know, that one game? I don't, I wouldn't with mine. Because uh, I, for some reason, I just think they go 14 and three this year. So I'd be under. I would actually go under if I had to bet it. So I would, I would, I agree with both of those that I would take the under if I had to bet it, but really I would yeah. stay away from it, would be my advice. Then you look back at that plus 125 figure and maybe you throw a small wager on it just to see how hot the Eagles can remain the rest of the way here. Like you said, 10 games left, undefeated, and the easiest schedule in the NFL. So there is a small chance, but looking ahead here, Connor, I'm curious now, the teams we have left on your list, for better or worse, that we haven't gotten to, you take it in any direction you want. Yeah, I wrote down a few teams that just, I just can't believe they didn't make any moves. It's just Green Bay. I just, they, I don't know what they think they're going to do offensively not you know cooks they mentioned him going to green bay they're just not going to win football games this year or they're going to win a few maybe they're 500 i'm not so sure this is going to be very interesting how rogers kind of ending here is in green bay because obviously this is his last year that he that he's talked about so they were on the top of my list just i can't believe they didn't do anything they think they found something. I've talked about it for weeks before. Run the ball. They finally kind of stuck to it, but they were getting their ass kicked by the Bills. Uh, but Jones ran it well. They just have to do more of that uh, with them. So I thought Green Bay could have done more. I thought the Rams did nothing. I think they won the Super Bowl, and it was just like they're just lost. Staffords, I don't know, it's this arm. That defense is not the same. Just nothing there for the Rams. I thought was one of the uh, the bigger moves here. And I just want to touch on two more. In the AFC West, the Raiders and Broncos. I just the, both those teams. I thought maybe should have made a couple moves if they wanted to have a shot. And after watching that Raider game uh, in uh, Louisiana against the Saints, that was so hard to watch. After I thought they could have maybe gone in there and won, maybe, but they just got obliterated. And I don't know what the Broncos. I don't know what they're thinking. You talked about maybe Judy might have been traded. You know, I don't know what they're going to do. They obviously still have a solid defense, but they have everything tied up to Russell Wilson. So maybe that's why, yeah, they didn't want to make a move. So I'll start with the Broncos because my question is, do you think in the offseason that they try to trade Russ? I think so. I I think they made a massive mistake. They were just looking for a quarterback for so long. Do you know what I mean? Like John Elway was drafting this kid and this kid and nothing could stick after Peyton Manning. And then they give all this money. To Russell Wilson, it's like he's not the same guy. It's just not. It's just that's it. Even if he's a little bit better, the Russell Wilson of when he was younger, it's just not enough for him. And now he's starting to get nicked up and get hurt, where usually he was just always a go in his younger career. So maybe, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I haven't heard anything of that, but that could be true. Broncos uh, make some crazy moves there with the you know that front office in LA. So. Maybe they maybe they do. Maybe in the offseason, they unload Russell Wilson on a team like the Commanders. And if you remember, they hired Nathaniel Hackett to help with the recruiting of Aaron Rodgers and to bring him to Denver. So maybe at the end of the season, the Packers are willing to move on from Rodgers, who's not having a great time in Green Bay. Like you said, they did nothing to help him out 
at the deadline after really hurting them in the offseason by not only trading Adams, but they bring in a bunch of young rookies. And the top one's a second-round pick who's a project out of North Dakota State and Christian Watson who hasn't done anything for them this year. So maybe, after all, the Broncos get their intended target in Aaron Rodgers. Yes, that could be. And there's been whispers that maybe he would go there, you know, last year. Yeah, do they – that would be very interesting, you know, get Wilson out and bring in Aaron Rodgers maybe for like a two-year run. Basically, that you, that's all you're probably going to get at his age if they want to make that move. So I think a lot of Bronco fans are just like scratching their head. Um, I know they got to win, but I don't think that football team's going anywhere. I think their defense kind of keeps this team in game, you know, in football games, especially at home. They always have a pretty good home advantage. But when they hit the road, uh, they have struggles. Yeah, and I don't think the locker room loves Russ either. And yeah. maybe maybe if you can pull off this move, get Rodgers, trade Wilson, then you don't have to completely clean house and move on from your head coach and your quarterback, although they should probably move on from Hackett anyways. Yeah, Hackett move was just, you know, <laughs> it's just, we've talked about it. This guy, I, I just, there's some coaches that just can't make these moves, especially in the NFL, you know, whether it's, the game, their time, their, you know, whether it's use of their timeouts or what to do it. And it just, and it makes them look silly. And Hackett's just been one of those guys. It's just like, wow, they gave this guy the job. So I don't know how much they better win because I don't know if they want to keep him there. Yeah. He wasn't prepared for the role and there's nothing inspiring yeah. about, he might grow into the job, but that wraps up this edition of the winning ticket. Before we go, Connor, the stage is yours. Promote any work you want to. And let everyone know where they can find you on social media. Oh, yeah. But first, thanks for having me on. Always love coming on here, uh, talking football or anything else, for that matter, with you, Bobby. Yeah, just check me out. Pub Sports Radio, for the most part. I do all most of my video work there. And on on socials, just hit me up, Connor Mac or Connor Mac Picks. I'm on there on any socials. If you follow me, I don't know why you're not following Connor. I'm sure there's not many people who that's the case, because I have you on all my stuff from Sports Map Radio to believe and you're an absolute beast like i said at the top one of the most reliable sports handicappers in the game a sharp among sharps so again people you got his insight here he lets you know about some over under totals and he's going to be with us doesn't matter the sport you've already made people a lot of money from when you came on last week so connor just keep doing your thing yeah i appreciate yeah a few good ones that ended up well last week and uh can't wait for this week as always pumped football's going on gotta be pumped One of the best times on the sports calendar. Just an absolutely loaded slate. Then on Thursday, I will give you my best bets for this weekend's NFL and college football games. You can find that on Believe.com, the winning ticket YouTube page, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. It goes a long way for us. For Connor Mack, I'm Bobby Kravitsky. Thanks for tuning in to the winning ticket.